1: Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I'm Bennett Conlon, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick, and we have a special guest tonight. Jack, do you want to introduce? Yes, you? of course.
0: Second week in a row, we have a special guest. It's it, I think it fits with the amount of things that are happening right now. We have our baseball contributor Nick Stevens here with us to give a little bit of insight into CA baseball tournament action, as well as to talk a little bit um, softball reaction because it would be a disservice not to talk about. What we witnessed this last week, right, not even weekend. What we witnessed this Monday. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, especially after the last couple of days, I'm glad to talk softball and especially <laughs> this baseball tournament that's coming up. Yeah, the baseball's kind of lost in the shuffle now. It seems like a little bit with softball winning that region and going to the super regional, and now baseball starts tomorrow. But we kind of forgot about all that.
2: Yeah, I mean that's. That's JMU sports though, isn't it? I mean, softball just kind of dominates and baseball is just kind of there, I guess. Maybe some of that Veterans Memorial Park magic will rub off on them this weekend.
1: Fingers crossed. That was definitely an accurate accurate description of baseball (laughs) where the last few years, it feels like they've just kind of been there over at Veterans Memorial Park, not doing as much. But this year, they're finally in the CAA tournament. So there's at least a storyline there, which is which is really exciting, and we're, we're pumped to have you on just because there aren't really that many people that that cover Jamie baseball or talk about Jamie baseball, and you've been doing it for a few years through a few different outlets, and then I think even Kurt, I know Kurt Dudley might be in L.A. for the softball a little bit this weekend, so I feel like you're one of the better better Twitter followers, at least, that Nick Stevens are, for anyone who is interested, and Stevens is S-T-E-V-E-N-S. Um, So definitely worth giving Nick a follow during this. So, Nick, is there anything going on in your life with the JMU sports area being in Harrisonburg? Anything that really sort of stands out having been there for the softball and baseball seasons? Is there anything sort of about these years that has stood out to you at all? Um,
2: You know, I mean, I feel like there's a little bit more excitement maybe with baseball. I mean, I feel like it's still like the crowds aren't coming and, you know, like people aren't really – talking about it so much like locally um I I don't have the student perspective anymore unfortunately but (laughs) but it's still you know it's it's a little bit more exciting and just softball I just feel like it's like I was there back in when they made it to super regionals uh against LSU like I was there Mm I've been there the past two times they made it to NCAA tournament and it was like it was cool and everyone knew who Jalen Ford was, and she was, like, the hot shot on campus. But, like, this year, I just feel like softball has kind of taken over this community for for the first time. And I think it's a pretty awesome feeling out here in Harrisonburg now.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's really cool just sort of how all the seasons have sort of blended. You obviously have football and some other solid sports in the fall, and then women's basketball dominates the winter. And, and now to have lacrosse and softball and even baseball in the mix in the spring, it's at least when I started at Jamie, I feel like it wasn't this much of like a year round or nine months a year interest level among the fans, so it's it's crazy to kind of see how it's come along. I don't know if either of you guys would agree with that
0: i mean since i mean I stepped foot on campus in twenty fifteen and so I've kind of had I had college game day the second I was there, and then that year was the super regional year so I feel like since I set, I was lucky enough to get on campus, I think right at the peak of JMU Athletics, and I've ridden the coattails through now four years, and now looking back as an alumni, it's a little sad.
1: <laughs> there has been a ton, though, with like the two college game days. Yeah, and I was spoiled. Nat- lacrosse, national title. Yeah, I was <laughs> yeah, spoiled. I'll be golden, honest. Like
0: I, After four years, I was expecting a national championship every year in football um ca tournament wins and everything basketball kind of got me a little spoiled because my freshman year they played well in the regular season with matt brady's last year i was a spo- i was spoiled mm-hmm. in terms of sports
1: yeah <laughs> quite the college career for for viewing and working in madison and all that all that good stuff all right so i'll make sure i try to follow our outline here i was about to jump into baseball but that would have been all over the place confusing me and the three of us So, all right, we'll do some quick plugs. As always, follow us um, on Twitter at JMU Sports News. We'll also have, I think, like a softball preview podcast at some point in the next few days. Um, I'll try to whip something up in terms of writing for the UCLA Los Angeles Super Regional, too. So we should have a lot of softball coverage in the coming days. We might also have some live video from L.A. because we're magical and we have so many connections. We just find ways to get things done. But I guess first off, let's start with some softball reaction. It was kind of an insane weekend with the Dukes losing a Michigan the first time they played and then having to win three straight games and doing it uh, with a a day off for rain in there. So, Jack, we'll start with you. What was your reaction from the last few days of I brought it
0: in the outline. I put, holy cow. I mean, they could (laughs) have made it a lot easier on themselves in that, what, 12-inning thriller where – if they could have just gotten mm-hmm. a run across, everything would have been nice and a little bit easier, and they wouldn't have had to win three straight, have to play that night against DePaul. But they really amped up the the drama of it all, and they came out on top still, and it was an amazing, an amazing regional that I think you might not be able to top in a long time. I mean, you've you you don't get to see a pitching duel like that often, with the Megan of JMU versus the Megan of Michigan. I think the broadcast team of ESPN said that probably a thousand times. We'll get to that one later about their, <laughs> their abilities to commentate. But it was just such a great game. I mean, Megan Good listened to the, the commentators and, and put the team on her back and is going to will them to a Wall- Women's College World Series.
1: Yeah, she was absolutely awesome. Nick, did you have a chance to, to watch much of that?
2: Oh yeah, I was there. I actually got to enjoy the the last two games against Michigan yesterday. I got to enjoy that from our yeah. lovely new uh um donors at UVA uh, health systems over there yesterday. <laughs> um, so I was I was I was apologizing to who I needed to apologize to for a reaction to that news <laughs> that broke the other day. <laughs> but um no, I think that was honestly probably I know, like, recency bias obviously kicks in a little bit, but I think that was honestly one of the, the greater Jamie sports moments that, like, I've watched, personally. Yeah. Well, I mean, what Megan Good did, I've, I've said it numerous times all year. Like, I honestly regret not getting out and watching Megan Good pitch more often uh, while she was here because that was just absolutely unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was just such a r- insane event and college softball is just a really solid sport to watch. There's so much excitement. I think some of it is of course like the field size and the game is only seven innings. So it it kind of flies by and it feels like there's so much meaning behind like every pitch and every at bat. That's just so intense. And of course the one thing I noticed that I sort of became numb to by the end of the tournament, but like both dugouts are constantly like yelling, like there's just (laughs) two hours of constant yelling from both sides that I realized in like the fifth inning of the second game, I was like, like nobody has stopped talking throughout this entire game, which I feel like definitely adds to the atmosphere. It was just so cool to see Michigan and JMU get to play three times, at least in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of a bummer, though, for Michigan to have to play. I mean, yeah. even JMU, because if JMU loses that region, you can say it for JMU, but Michigan lost, so we'll say it about Michigan. It's a shame that they lost in the regional because they were – a team capable enough to go to the super and a team. I think we, we touched on the last week and last podcast with Matt, <clears throat> but they should have been, Jamie should have been seated and not have to face Michigan at this point of it all. And, but that's what made it such a good region. I mean, all the storylines that came into it just really amped everything up.
1: Definitely. And I think even Michigan, you can probably make the argument that they probably felt a little slighted at the 15 yeah. spy. You can make a, make a case for them in a better seat and not having to play JMU. So a lot of the seating stuff can come back into play, but over those three days, Nick, we can start with you. What or who do you think was the key? And, and maybe how much do you think that rain delay helped JMU?
2: Oh man. I think, honestly, I think I would give, I would go Kirsten road cap. Like, like I, I love the way my thing with baseball and softball is with, catchers it's one position that you know i wish i could like i knew more about like the intricacies of catching but i know what i do like is give me a catcher who like i don't care if you hit 210 but like if you call a game behind the plate like the way she does and the way she can change the game with just like that quick timeout quick speech and it was like every time she went out there to the mound she had this huge smile on her face and it was just seemed like relaxing but yet she's out there to pump up Megan good. She's up there to pump up Odyssey Alexander in, in the games against the Like, I think that has just such a major impact on, on the entire atmosphere of the game, and, and it largely goes unnoticed, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was, she was definitely somebody that stood out and I think is probably underappreciated, and I think there were so many players for JMU that, that might go under the radar just because Megan was so good over the last few days. I mean, you look at Cambry Arnold, who throws out a runner at the plate in the second game, huge momentum play, then leads off the next inning with probably the hardest hit ball she had the entire regional, ends up scoring another run there, and they end up winning two to one. So that's, I guess, the game-winning run, so to speak. So she was awesome. I mean, they had so many players. Hannah File didn't have a hit the whole regional until she has an RBI (laughs) single, which turns out to be the game-winning RBI. Just so many players other than Megan that added what they were doing. You're right that road cap, you know, she might not get all the the press or anything like that, but the way she would come out to the the circle and and help the pitchers settle down. And it seemed like every time she did that for the next like batter or two after the pitcher was locked in. And I think that's something that's, that's really cool. Like you said that she could just sort of change the game by having a conversation with somebody that's, that's kind of wild.
0: And if you kind of look at it too, on the flip side of the coin with Michigan who lost their senior catcher, in the first game against yeah. St. Francis, then you have this this freshman behind the plate who who did well, but wasn't the catcher they needed, and isn't the doesn't have the type of repertoire or rapport is the better word with Bobian and and things like that. So it, it kind of is like you guys were saying a forgotten thing that you kind of take for granted. Roadcap's ability behind the plate, yeah, she might be batting two sixty, but she is a stud defender I mean can frame the balls perfectly can clean up messy pitches from her pitcher and can gun down runners and they're trying when they're trying to steal
1: yeah I mean for sure and I think that's a really great point that kind of goes unnoticed like you were saying where Michigan had to turn to a freshman catcher and that's not a great position to be in where if you're Michigan I don't know that that a freshman feels comfortable maybe going out to the circle yeah. and having a conversation to settle down a sophomore who's sort of like the star of the teams. <laughs> I don't know if that's something that she's necessarily comfortable with at this point, even though she, you know, played well and hit the ball pretty well. Um, but it was, yeah, it was just a heck of a series and sort of, at least in my perspective, I thought once Jamie lost that first game Saturday to Michigan, I Same. thought they were done. They didn't score in 12 innings. They just didn't seem like they had quite what they needed. And I thought it was gonna be so deflating that they were going to end up losing. I mean, how did you guys feel as the tournament progressed in terms of Jamie's chances? Nick, you got this one to start.
2: Honestly, I thought kind of watching that game, I was afraid that after they lost that that first game against Michigan, and like you said, so long with 12, 13 innings, and just the offense not being able to get going, and then having to go play DePaul right after that, and then like the next morning, I just assumed that like Megan Good wasn't going to have it. Like it's asking her to do way too much. Um, I – I didn't have a lot of hope going into that game. But then once they said that rain delay, I think, in my opinion, that rain delay, I think, kind of changed everything for JMU just because it gave Megan Good that time to to stay fresh. It gave her another day and to go out there and throw both games uh, yesterday. And so I think without that rain delay, I think it, this
0: might be a different conversation, honestly. Yeah, without it, that rain delay could be the MVP for JMU. Because, yeah, after that 12-inning thriller, I was I was texting Ben, and I was like, okay, that was uh, it was a fun season. He, in the 10th inning, he said, if we don't score here, our season's over. I mean, I believed it, too, because you're sitting there. You just went through 12 innings of a game where you couldn't score. You saw the same pitcher for 12 innings. You've seen all her pitches. You understand what she's going to come at you with, and you can't do anything. And then the game against DePaul – The offense didn't look great that night game against DePaul. The offense, again, didn't look fantastic. I mean, it just seemed like the offense never found their rhythm. And I kind of chalked it up to, oh, well, they're facing better pitchers now than they've seen all season because no offense to the CAA. CAA doesn't have great pitching, so of course they're going to beat up on them all season. So when they finally start seeing these good pitchers, their offense kind of sputters, but they proved me completely wrong. That rain delay gave Megan Good another day to rest up, and she came dealing that on Monday, and the offense did just enough to get by.
1: Yeah, and I don't even know if we said the name Kate Gordon yet, but gotta <laughs> mention Kate Gordon. The <laughs> amount of home runs she hit, I think throughout they kept showing her stats, and it was like she would have five hits, and four of them were home runs, and it just kind of explains what Jamie's offense is all about this year, where it seems like they're. Swinging for the fences. Everyone except like Cambry Arnold, who tries to get on with sort of the slap hitting style. Yeah. Everyone else seems like they're they're going for home runs and going for broke, and they did an unbelievable job of making really hard contacts. Sarah Jubas too. In the last two games, she had the longest single I've ever seen in my life. Part of single <laughs> well, when she, she, when she, when she, she stumbled. Yeah, running around first base. But I uh, mean, that was a heck of a game from everyone, and just. I don't know. I mean, it takes a lot of mental toughness to be able to rally the way JMU did. I think that's sort of what stood out to me, and it also helps quite a bit when you can just give the ball to one of the best pitchers in the country and say, hey, throw 400 pitches for me this region. Well,
0: I don't know if she's the best pitcher in the country. She hasn't taken her team to a Women's College World Series, and um, that really (laughs) plays a role in the way we're going to judge her as a
1: pitcher. We got to get in the announcers. Let's talk announcers. Oh, man.
0: I mean, hashtag send Jack to L.A. All I'm saying.
1: Send you to L.A. Give you a chance. Show your stuff. It's just the thing that was crazy to me is just like how little research there was on like both sides. Like, I mean, at one point they said that Michigan had beat JMU earlier in the season. Like, that doesn't take a lot of research. They talked about like take your track. Oh, my work, God. That, take your track. you told to me. school day. That was like they mentioned it at least 20 times. Like every time road cap came up, they're like. I don't know if everyone knows, but Harrisonburg (laughs) has tractors. I was like, wow, you guys did a whole lot of research here. And then they'd be like, do you guys have tractors in your hometowns? And they'd be like, no. I wouldn't have had one of those days where I'm from. It's like, okay. (laughs) Thank you for the insight. It it seemed like there was a lack of research on both sides for the most part. But But
2: there was also the story that they said, I know every other inning how much Kirsten and Megan Good hated each other in <laughs> high school, and how nervous the Kirsten Roadcap was to meet Megan for the first time. It's like, okay,
1: <laughs> that was that was my favorite too because that wasn't like a quick story. That would take like a batter or two, and they were or like a long at bat from Roadcap, and they'd still be going. And they'd be like, Roadcap was genuinely frightened of Megan Good, but then they <laughs> met, and things were okay. And it's like this is this isn't a story at all. <laughs> Just sounds like two players that played on different high school teams, but thank you for the research. They must have only talked to like roadcast. They yeah. It seemed it seemed like every little insight they had was was from from her, and they just really focused on those. But it was it was really interesting to to see the weird tidbits that they had somehow received.
0: Did you hear um, when apparently the the color commentator was talking about a sports psychologist? And the play-by-play guy was like, oh, he does great work. And the color commentator came back and said, well, he's he passed away. <laughs> that, it, was that really, was, it was a really awkward I, exchange between the two of them. <laughs> she was like, well, he passed away. And the play-by-play guy comes back, oh, well, uh, all sports psychologists do a great job. And <laughs> it was really awkward.
1: Yeah, I totally forgot about that. I like <laughs> I processed it in the moment, but it was <laughs> extremely awkward because you're right. They were just like this person was like a really big sports psychologist and she was like, he's (laughs) dead. She didn't like transition at all. She could have been like, he was, then he passed away, but he had a big impact that she was just like, he is no longer with us. He's buried in the earth. And it was like, what? And then instead of trying to like save it or just go into something else, you're right. He was like, sports psychology is an interesting field and anyone interested should consider pursuing it. It was like, what is going on? Yeah. They had, I noticed earlier in the early games too, they had, they would have like banter except they were neither like they would never be on the same page like so one person would have banter i think at one point he said something to her about like i don't know if you know but you have to score a run in softball to win a game and she's like yeah i know that's his rule of softball i <laughs> i'm a two-time national player of the year and it was like i uh, think <laughs> he was just kidding uh, yeah so it was tough to listen to i know a lot of people muted it and put on the kurt dudley audio so that might be the way to go moving forward kurt's audio was
0: fantastic there was a part where he was talking about the norfolk tides and how he'd save up rc cola caps to get his season ticket admission <laughs> and it was the best thing i've heard
1: that sounds way better i made a mistake i'll have to make a note of that
0: what was your mistake
1: listening to the espn broadcast oh, oh. for four days and not not learning my lesson
0: i mean i'll be honest I, I probably don't speak for everyone here. I I don't like listening for – listening – what? I can't talk. Oh, my gosh. Watching a TV broadcast while listening to, like, a radio broadcast. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm TV, I'm all TV. I'll take the bad commentating. And if I'm radio, I'm all radio.
1: I feel you on that one. I feel you on that one. What I miss is the Norfolk State football announcers. I wish we could find a way to, <laughs> to get them on those games. They were – they were special. Ooh. Yeah, that's our our bad announcer talk. All right, so what else we got? Looking ahead, they play UCLA, of course. I think it's Friday, Saturday, and then game three would be Sunday. If needed, those will all be on either ESPNU or ESPN. How do you guys assess the early chances?
2: Whew. I mean, I think, like you said, the team – from 1 through 9 in the lineup, I feel like everybody contributed something. And and it is hard to kind of yeah. single out one or two girls that that made a, a huge impact because it was it was a complete team effort. But I think like you mentioned Bennett about the this team kind of just swings for the fences. Um it kind of goes all or nothing and I don't think that's going to work like moving forward. Like they've got to start getting getting the base hits and they did a good job I feel like of getting runners on base, but then you know, it was you know pop ups, ground outs, easy outs, and and then they'd kind of end the inning like that. But I mean, they got a shot, but they, they got to
0: start hitting the ball. After. Yeah, I think one of the things the commentator said that was very very true was that JMU you would get a ground would would get a hit, and then yeah, like you said, pop ups, ground outs, and they would just drive their themselves into the ground and just get a quick two outs, a quick three outs and nothing would happen with that base runner. And then kind of on the other side of it, when they got those home runs, it was with no one on base and kind of been their bread and butter all season is get a runner or two on base and then pop the long ball. And then all of a sudden you have three runs, but instead they were getting solo shots and one run doesn't look like that impressive. You got it by way of home run, but it's still just one run. So they have to figure out a way to kind of get runners on move runners over. And at times, maybe even play small ball. I mean, small ball is is sometimes hated by people, but if it can manufacture you a couple extra runs in a game, you're going to need it against UCLA, the number two seed. And yeah, they lost against Missouri, and they did go to a game three winner take all, but it's UCLA. They have one of the best pitchers in the nation, and Jamie's offense has struggled against good pitching. So, going to be a, it's going to be a tough one for jamie to get out of the super regional my prediction i'll save until the uh, the podcast we have later in the week
1: awesome i love it yeah and i'm kind of with you guys i think it's going to be a really tough regional there are a few positives ucla they played more home games than like road or neutral games but they do have four home losses and a lot of those i think yeah three of them have come since the 9th of may so they're four and three in their last seven games with three home losses Two of those sort of Arizona, the team Jamie played earlier in the year and lost to in a walk off home run, but they're pretty evenly matched. And of course, the loss to Missouri over the weekend, but then they also run ruled Missouri twice. So yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting. It's going to come down to like who makes the fewest mistakes, and then also pitching. It's going to be another one of those pitching duels. I would expect. no know, UCLA. I think they scored 13 runs in their their last game they played to beat Missouri. I don't think either team will score 13 runs. That's my bold prediction <laughs> going into our next podcast. So yeah, no, but I'm I'm really excited to to talk about it and to watch that this weekend.
0: Well you know what else I'm excited to watch this weekend? Baseball, CAA tournament action and JMU's finally in it. What can we expect?
2: <sighs> Who knows? <laughs> Like, if you, this every like major publication that I've seen with their predictions for the NCAA tournament, it's they've got Elon. It, it's all Elon, which I feel like is a safe pick, right? It's a, yeah. <laughs> and it's all Elon, but they're all have Elon as like a four seed in the regionals. And so, but I think that's fair because, like, outside of the CAA, CAA schools weren't very good. Um, there were a couple of big wins, a couple of big highlights, like JMU and Cal State Fullerton series and, and such. But like once the AA play started, like these teams just kind of beat each other around and, you know, team would get hot. And then a team like Northeastern would lose five or six straight. So I don't know what to expect of this tournament.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's something. I mean, JMU, it seemed like a week ago had the three seed all but a win away. And then all of a sudden they're sitting in the sixth seed for the CAA tournament. But I think that just shows outside of spots one and two, this is just all up for grabs. And with a team like JMU, if their pitching gets hot and their batting gets hot, they're a real dark horse threat. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I actually mean, think. Yeah, sorry, I ahead. was going to say
2: I actually think that them getting the sixth seed and the way that the field shook out, I think is the best case scenario for JMU. Really, honestly, yeah. I was, I was. Really hoping they would stick, kind of get a few wins against Northeastern and UNCW to keep that three seed. Yeah. But looking at this, like, I think the six seed gives them the best chance to, to win this thing.
0: Really? They have to face
2: off with Elon, though. And I like Elon, like, George Kirby and Kyle Bernovich are, are monsters. I think Kirby, everything I've seen as Kirby, like a top 15 or top 20 MLB draft pick. Whew, that's pretty um, good. Yeah, even their closer slash team leader in home runs, I think his Adcock, is like a first, second round. He's an MLB draft prospect. But College of Charleston's offense, I think, scares me a lot. And JMU played Elon really well. Okay. At least the first two games. So, I don't know. I think that's that's my hot take for the tournament, I
0: think. I I like <laughs> it. I like it. Um, So just to go away from the tournament a little bit. We'll get right back into it, but I forgot. CAA has been released. All CAA. Couple snubs, a couple surprises. Bennett, I want to hear Did you did you get a chance to look over the All CAA teams?
1: I have looked at it, yes.
0: Feelings on it.
1: Definitely interesting. So four Dukes made their way onto All CAA teams and I think two of those were like the all rookie team. So I think it was yeah. You got Kyle Novak and, and Trey Dabney were third-team players, it looks like. And then Fox Motors and Nick Robertson, first-team, all-CA. Trey Dabney is somebody that, that I might have expected to finish a little higher just because of how important he was for JMU. You know, he was really solid, but I guess he sort of settled down toward the end of the season, and maybe his stats weren't quite there. I know he missed a little bit of time some injuries and stuff and battled through stuff there. Um, but even even guys like Kevin Kelly that you know didn't get honored here are so good. So I think that, that Jamie only has four guys that were honored, but it seems like they have a lot more players on the team that are that are all CA caliber. If that makes sense. Yeah. Any subs for you, Nick? Um.
2: So I was kind of looking. I was looking around at work because I, I didn't have much to do this afternoon. And... <laughs> Um, hope my boss isn't listening. Um, <laughs>
0: he might be one of our 27 <laughs> listeners. We never know. No, I, I was working very hard <laughs> today,
2: but I was also kind of perusing through, and I mean, I think Brady Haryu is a snob. I think he could have been maybe like third team at least. When you compare him to this guy, College of Charleston's first baseman, I was just kind of looking at their numbers, and Haryu was much better, but I'm, I have lots of opinions about Harrier, um <laughs> <just> <laughs> that we may or may not talk about later on. But, um, yeah, I think Harrier was a big one, and I think Dabney was a big one. I think at least second team, which, I mean, it's kind of like whatever. First, second, second
0: team, third team. But I, I feel like they really overlooked Dabney. In those yeah. I thought he was on pace to, to be rookie of the year. I mean, started the season so hot. But then just finished so well. Such a good leadoff batter. He brought power to it. I mean, Dabney was you you watched him and, and it seems like he's he's playing a different game at times. He's just so good. He's a three oh six average. I mean, what? A four ninety seven slugging percentage and a four fifty five on base percentage. Trey Dabney was Jamie's offense at times this season. But you brought up Haryu. I want to know, what are your opinions on Haryu? This this seems like it could be some more hot takes.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, so I was at the Purple and Gold World Series, of course. Uh, the games that I could in the 25-degree weather. But, like, there's no there's no names. There's no not even, like, a simple printout. So, like, if anyone for JMU Baseball is listening, we can just get a printout <laughs> of names and numbers. <laughs> at these scrimmages like I don't care about birthdays, hometowns, whatever (laughs) name and number for this instead of listening to the players kind of yell at each other but I had no idea who this kid was I searched Twitter I searched Google I was everywhere trying to find out who this kid was and I finally found like a random Facebook post from his like his JUCO team that was like congratulations (laughs) to committing to JMU and it had like four likes and I was like Okay, cool. But <laughs> uh, he he like two home runs in these scrimmages, and I'm like, all right, uh, all right, he's opened my eyes. And then he starts playing the regular season, and you, know, you have a couple home runs, a couple big hits. Um, the guy can hit the baseball. He can crush a baseball. I and mean, He had was this eight home runs this year, and he's been extremely hot to end the season, extremely hot. But then you watch him on first base, and he just he had those moments where. Like, his head just wasn't in the game. And like there was this one game in particular. I can't remember who they were playing, but someone did a pickoff move. He, he missed it completely. It rolls to the fence. There were two runners on base, and he just kind of walks over to the baseball. And a run scores. Guy goes from first to third, and he went into the dugout, and I'm watching the game with my brother, and I'm like, Brady Hardy disappeared. I don't know where he went <laughs> Aikenberry disappeared. I don't know where he went either. Um, And then Haru didn't come back out. This was like the fourth or fifth inning. and They benched him. And he just had a couple plays like that all year where it's like I don't know how to feel about him, but then he matches like a 350-foot home run and it's like okay, like keep doing that. But like, I don't don't know. He just He's He stayed hot, though, at the end of the year, and so he's a big reason why this team did make the tournament. So I, I will give him that. I do like him. I just haven't figured him out yet. I guess.
0: Okay. He's a junior, right? We have one more year of Brady are you? Yeah. Well, okay. Excited to see how that one comes out.
1: <laughs> one more year to, to figure him out. But, yeah, it looks like he's on, like, an 11 or 12-game hitting streak, so he has been on a tear. But that, it's interesting <laughs> to see some of those – those lapses mentally or in the field or whatever that'll be interesting to keep an eye on in the ca tournament and something that i'm fascinated on getting your opinion on nick is you wrote an article earlier this year talking about JMU pitching and you mentioned the possibility or at least you know like the hypothetical possibility of of JMU rolling with a bunch of different pitchers in the ca tournament giving a few innings to a guy here and a few innings there sort of if they advance deeper or or whatever how do you think they're going to go about the pitching staff in this double elimination tournament
2: I I saw, I think it was, um, I saw on Twitter not too long ago where I think it was WHSV, I think it was TJ Eck who put out the video um, where uh, they're putting out Kevin Kelly tomorrow against William & Mary. And I think there was a quote in there about how his ability to to turn around really quick. And so if he pitches tomorrow and he can probably pitch again Saturday or or Sunday if they need him. But like, My thought process is that, you know, I was watching like Major League Baseball, this new trend, like the opener, and I really think it would work for JMU. And like, I'm all, I'm a baseball traditionalist, but like with JMU's arms, like I think this strategy could really work and you'd have Nick Stewart and Kevin Kelly available all weekend. Huh. You have a guy like Shelton Perkins, who was amazing. This year on the mound, and Brett Ayer, like you start those guys, have them go the first inning, two innings, and then bring in Nick Stewart or Kevin Kelly for three or four innings. They got fresher arms; they don't have to work through a lineup twice. Then you bring in Nick or Nick Robertson at the end of the game, and it's game over. But,
0: but.
1: Yeah, no, I love that idea. I think it's it's fascinating, and it seems like it would play to JMU's strengths, just because they have so many different guys that can go out and give you a few innings. And I feel like that would be almost like a nightmare if you're, you know, an opposing offense or opposing lineup, and you have to, you get one at bat against Kevin Kelly, bringing in Shelton Perkins or something like that, and then you find Nick Robertson or someone else. It's just so many different guys that you have to adjust to, and you it seems like it would potentially keep you know, an offense out of the rhythm while also keeping all your guys fresh. So the idea is, is fascinating. I don't know if I Ike Barry is going to pull that, but it's, it's definitely something that would be fascinating if he did.
2: Yeah. But yeah, you know, I mean, with this staff as a whole, like when you look at the growth that this staff has had, I think even just going to, you know, straight Kevin Kelly, go as long as you can, go yeah. Nick Stewart the next day, as long as you can. And then, you know that third game. If if you got to piece it together, they've got guys like Justin Showalter, Joe Williams, who they can put back to back. Michael Bechtold, I know he kind of became the Sunday starter at the end of the year. Yeah, um, I feel like you can put Shelton Perkins out there every single game. and He's going to give you two or three innings until his arm falls off. Uh, so, nice. but you know, I think that I think the pitching the pitching is going to be. I don't think the pitching is going to be the key because I think they're pretty stable with JMU. But I mean. the pitching staff has been a lot of fun to watch this year. And what coach Jimmy Jackson has done with that staff
0: is phenomenal. Yeah. Time. It seems like the pitching staff, no slight to Jamie's offense, but the pitching staff was the, what quote unquote sold tickets. I mean, their bats sometimes were a little bit glued to their shoulders, but the pitching staff always made games interesting, always kept things close. And Kevin Kelly, it's just a a monster of a pitcher yeah i don't know how like you stand at a batter's box
2: and then when they show these videos of like his different arm angles and (laughs) when you sit behind home plate and it's just like his his pitches literally just dance in the strike zone they'll start at your eyes and they end at your waist and, and you have no idea what's coming I think before the season, he says, "Well, if I throw over the top, I've got like four pitches, and then I come sidearm and I have like seven pitches that I throw, and it's like <laughs> and, but like in all seriousness, and I know that I know JMU has really taking over this like advanced analytics thing um, and mm-hmm. really using that information and studying that, and I know Kevin Kelly is kind of really uh focused on that and love looking at that information, and so and you can see it happen like he he mixes his pitches well he goes inside he goes outside and then he gets two strikes on you and he does the the new invoke thing of baseball and throws a 90 mile an hour fastball up in the zone and guys can't hit it
0: oh yeah he's scary with all of his arm angles I don't I I won't even get
1: into that yeah he's he's got a lot of different things that he can do which is fascinating we're talking about sort of keys for jmu when we look at keys for jmu nick how important do you think it is that they're playing at home do you think it's more of a a benefit that they don't have to travel than it is maybe crowds i know sort of midweek games i'm not sure how many how many people really show up to that and you sort of mentioned earlier maybe the lack of crowd support at times (laughs) do you think it's the home field advantage is more of just not traveling this week or do you think the crowd also helps
2: uh i mean i think the crowds will show up um yeah Hopefully they show up. (laughs) Um, I mean, no students there. Softball's not there. I know the softball team can come into some of those games and and get real loud and real interesting. Uh, But, yeah, yeah, I hope the crowds show up at home. Like, looking at their home record, they're 22 and 11 at home. Granted, look at who they played at home. But, I mean, I think the guys seem jacked up, uh, you know, from what you see on social media with these guys. And to finally make it in this tournament, um, just to be home, they know how their park plays, and I wish I knew more about some of the other CAA schools' baseball fields. Like I've watched, mm-hmm. I've watched a lot of the games this year and for the other schools and stuff. But like JMU's field, I feel like plays just differently. I feel like it's fast, and yeah, you get a ball into the gap and and it's gone, and you've got a triple, and guys just sprint faster on this field. So I think that will give them a, a little bit of advantage, and just. Just being home, I think, will help this team, especially because it's mostly freshmen. Like, it's a lot of young guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, doing – I remember with my internship with the Turks last summer, they talked a lot about the field that JMU has. I mean, Eagle Field being all turf. So when they were making the team for the Turks, and I imagine this is what goes into when JMU recruits and things like that, they're recruiting for Veterans Memorial Park. I mean – They're going for the speedier guys who can hit the gap and and get a triple rather necessarily than a guy with just pure power. So I think JMU playing at home in terms of that, that they're a team created to win at Veterans Memorial Park also helps them a lot.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it's also nice to be at home and be the sixth seed. There's no real pressure on JMU. Like they're playing at home, but I don't think anybody – expects them to win this tournament or or expects them to make a deep run. I think they certainly have the possibility of doing that, but I feel like it's got to be a positive for them that, you know, there's already a win in their mind, just making the tournament. And then you can kind of go out there, play freely. You've got a bunch of really good pitchers. There's not a ton of pressure on you. You're going to have people cheering for you in the crowd. You're playing at home. You know, you don't have to travel anywhere. It definitely seems like there are a lot of positives going into this for JMU. Nick and Jack, what do you guys think about the potential of Jamie making a deep run or even finding a way to win this thing? Do you think that's realistic or a real shot? I want to hear Nick's thoughts first so I can base my opinion <laughs> off of um, better, <laughs> better
0: things. Nice.
2: <laughs> so, all right, looking at this, I think, like I said, them being the sixth seed, I think was the best case scenario it, because they get William & Mary with this first game. They've already beaten William & Mary. And William and Mary, just like when you look at their numbers, like no one really stands out. Like their pitchers don't strike guys out, which is good because JMU hitters strike out a lot. I think they <laughs> led the CAA. Like, you know, that's just, you know, no debate there. The numbers don't lie. Um, <laughs> but I think William and Mary is a good matchup. They've already beaten him twice. And I think Kevin Kelly got, he got kind of lit up um, in that loss to William and Mary. But, I mean, how how likely is it that you beat Kevin Kelly twice in, like, four or five weeks? I don't think that's – I think that's extremely tough to do. Um, when you go to Elon, like, Elon has the pitching, but if somehow by some magic you can get to their bullpen, their bullpen is not good other than their closer, Adcock. And their offense is just kind of, like, middle of the pack. Um, so I think – And when they played each other, JMU kept the game's low scoring, which is something that they have to do if they want to win this tournament. And I feel like Charleston has the ability to kind of put up 10 runs a game. They've already swept JMU at home. So, you know, I think I like the odds against Elon, and it all comes down to that Charleston game, uh, if they can get past Elon. But, again, getting past Elon is going to be a, a monster of a task.
0: All right, that was some now I can base my opinion um pretty strongly <laughs> off of this um, just from I haven't been to a, a, a like a, a gone to a game for jmu in in probably the last quarter last half of the season. maybe I worked a lot of their games for athletic communications early on in the season, so I was really into the team then. And just what I saw from there, JMU, they're going to, I i really believe they're going to beat William and Mary, get on to that next round and play Elon. I just don't trust their bats enough to come alive, to beat that team, to to get to the bullpen of Elon, just because I've seen it where they're playing Lafayette and they can't get a hit. They're playing, what was another bad team they played and lost to? I don't even remember. Also, but yeah, exactly. There's just times when, they're playing lesser opponents, and they just can't get a hit. And that might be playing to their competition. That might just be an off day. But there's that stretch in the middle of the season when I think they lost 10 straight games, nine straight games. And their bats just never came alive. And I'm afraid that'll happen against Elon. And granted, I predicted you wouldn't get out of the regional in softball, and I was very wrong about that. Did. And I'm going to predict they're not going to get past Elon, and that's kind of where the road's going to end. They're going to go to that loser's bracket. But I think from there, I, I think once they lose to Elon, it's going to be a tough road to climb after that. And But I was very wrong about softball. I could be very wrong about this. I'm known for my wrong takes.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'll kind of yield to you guys on that one. It seems like a pretty good representation of sort of how the – the uh, bracket will go. It's it's going to be exciting. I do think I agree with you guys that I think they'll get through William & Mary just because Kevin Kelly going in that game. I think they'll be kind of jacked up just to be in this tournament. I think they'll find a way to get through that one. And then if they can maybe get an early lead on Elon or something like that, kind of like Nick mentioned, if they can get to that bullpen or something, and you never know. And then if they do get through that game and they get into the Friday games undefeated, to me at least, that's going to really open the floodgates for them to get really emotional and really excited about what they're doing and and keep things rolling. So if they get through the first two, I wouldn't put it past them just because CAA baseball this year has been absolutely insane. So I won't rule anybody out for making a deep run in this tournament. But, I'll, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect them to win or anything like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, Nick Stewart did pitch. I think he only gave up one run in five or six innings against Elon. So if they do beat right. William & Mary, like Nick Stewart's going to go, and, and that should be a good matchup. But, you know, it's just – the pitching is just phenomenal in the CAA and every team has one, every team really has two really good starting pitchers and it's, it all comes down to Jamie's offense. That's, yeah. It, it's difficult when they have what five or six freshmen and new people in their lineup. Transfers. Right. Who knows what's going to happen when you put them in a, a tournament scenario.
1: Right. Right. And this might be a better question for once everything ends up, but Nick, what are your thoughts just overall on Marlon Eikenberry managing this team and sort of the progression they've taken? I think they've had either the same amount of wins or more wins every year he's been there, so they haven't regressed in terms of win-loss any year. They finally got over the 30-win threshold this year and made the CA tournament. you sort of like what you, you see in terms of JMU baseball's progression the last few years?
2: Yeah, you know, I think this year he's finally. This is what year four, so like, he's finally got his guys in. He doesn't have any any of the the Spanky McFarlane guys on the roster anymore. Right. And and like Jackie, like you mentioned, he's probably he's recruiting. I would assume that he is recruiting for Veterans Memorial Park, and to kind of play this like small ball baseball. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I you've seen the changes. I think. Off, Well, not really offensively. I think pitching-wise, the growth that this team has shown uh, has been, like I said, phenomenal. But offensively, it seems like he's trusting his hitters more to kind of hit the baseball. Because I feel like even last year, you had a guy like Adam Sisk, who was just a monster home run guy. And there'd be no outs, second inning, guy gets on base, and then Adam Siss comes up, and he's bunting. He's being told to bunt. And I know that drove me crazy. I remember <laughs> I, one of the have of, of Jamie baseball the last three years was, was this fan. I, I think he's a parent. I'm not going to lie. Because I've seen him for the last couple of years. But I just remember him, he was at the top, like underneath the press box, screaming for 10 minutes <laughs> at Marlon Eikenberry and about bunting. <laughs> And how he was ready to walk out if he saw another bunt. (laughs) (laughs) But it it was kind of like those scenarios. And it's like this, I feel like he has his team. Like he had that vision, but he didn't have the guys to kind of put it in play. Mm -hmm. And he does have those guys now. And I do like the rookies. I like all these freshmen uh, that he has. Um, You know, I think making the tournament was huge for the entire coaching staff. Because I'm afraid of what would have happened if they wouldn't have made this tournament.
0: Yeah, I I think I said it before the season started. I kind of said the the coach's seat that was hot, that wasn't really getting talked about a lot, was Eikenberry's seat. And if he didn't make the CA tournament, I thought questions were really going to start going around Eikenberry's job and his job security. But what he's done with this team this year, I really like a group of a lot of freshmen. He gets them. Gets them in. They were a three seed at one point in this tournament just a week ago, and now they're a six seed. But, I mean, it's so close. The six is essentially the three. But he's he's created this team, and I have huge hopes and aspirations for this for this group moving forward after this season, no matter what happens in the tournament.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's just big for them to make it, and I think this was definitely a step forward. And, and you were right. I think the seat was starting to get a little bit warmer, especially when they had another hot start. And then another sort of slowdown, which they've tended to do in the the last few years. And some of that was scheduling. I think, you know, playing better teams kind of led to losses. But they seem to have finished the year reasonably well. They look like they've done some good things. They got over 30 wins. So now they've got a chance in the CAA tournament. You never know if they can make a run there. Can sort of completely change the tune around JMU baseball. And I know they they want to get to a point where they're sort of up where softball is in terms of bringing in big-time crowds and generating a lot of excitement. So maybe if they can convince Megan Good to come back for <laughs> a sixth year and play baseball, they might be able to, uh, to draw it out. And, Jack, do we have a Twitter yes, question? Yes, I just copied and pasted it into our outline. This is, this is huge, <laughs> huge news. This is back-to-back week. This never happens.
0: Back to, I mean, Last week, we had a pretty good Twitter question. Today, we have yes. another fantastic Twitter question. It kind of aligned into what was coming up next in our outline. But this, they actually put it in a better way than I put it in the outline. So kudos to Duke's Tailgate at Duke's uh, Tailgate. So professional JMU tailgater, hashtag go Dukes fan. They also root for the C-A-P-S, Caps, Caps, Caps. Their question is, who could have a breakout performance for JMU baseball in the CAA tourney?
1: Bom-bom. Nick, we will yield to you.
2: Hmm. I I've got a name that I've been on this guy's kind of bandwagon since his freshman year.
0: Okay. So it's and an old guy? It
2: is. I've been saying that he is a big key to this offense since his freshman year and he hasn't panned out yet, but I'm not giving up hope and I'm going to say Devon Griffin. Woo! Okay. Now, I'm looking at his numbers now, and he has a 199 <laughs> batting average, um, one home run, and a, a 320 on-base percentage, so not bad. But, like, I love his swing. He His speed is phenomenal. He can – him and Fox Simones are kind of, like, similar players in that he can hit a home run out of nowhere. He can hit two, three home runs in a series. He can find the gaps. He can bunt and get a base hit, but he also strikes out a lot, and he just hasn't been able to, like, put it all together. And I'm hoping, willing my way into this, that he, he finally put the together.
0: I like that. I like that. Devon Griffin breakout performance. I can see it. Bennett?
1: That's a good question. That's a tough question. Um. Yeah, I mean I like the Devon Griffin pick. It's hard because I feel like everyone I think that's gonna have a solid like tournament isn't a breakout player. So I feel like I'll be like Kevin Kelly, but obviously <laughs> that wouldn't be it wouldn't be a breakout or anything like that. Um maybe Fox Simones, and I mean obviously he's not really a breakout player, but he's someone that has kind of you know, he hasn't didn't do a ton in the UNCW series. He's somebody that I might have expected a little bit more. He's got a two fifty-four average this season. I know he's kind of gotten a lot of respect and done a lot of different things and he's active on the base pass, but I think he's somebody that could really have a solid CA tournament and sort of be the player that people look at and it was like, Wow, what he did this weekend, you know, led JMU deep into this tournament. So I'll say that that Fox might have a solid series here and he'll be my pick as somebody to really keep an eye on outside of the pitchers and outside of somebody like, you know, Trey Dabney.
0: Uh man, Trey, Trey Dabney's my you you right at the end
1: brought up Trey Dabney. <laughs>
0: uh, he's my breakout performance guy. I mean, like kind of with what you said about Fox, it's not really a breakout quote unquote game for for Trey. But I mean, didn't get Rookie of the Year. Was in my opinion slighted in a All CAA third team. I mean, it's still great he got it, but didn't get Rookie of the Year. Didn't get a higher team. I think this is his breakout in terms of he feels like he's slighted so he's going to go out and kind of show the CAA like hey this is what you missed out on kind of like what Kamaya almost did in the women's basketball CAA tournament but then injuries happen and we won't talk about that um, but I think Trey will go out and have a breakout performance and it'll kind of be his coming out party even more so into the CAA and they'll, it'll it'll be a good jump starter into his sophomore
1: campaign I like that alright so we got Three potential breakout stars there on our Twitter. Question. I like I
2: like the That's... Fox Simone's, and I just want to point out. Ever since Fox Simone's got a
0: new helmet, it stays on his head. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Gosh, there was a streak on we had of games that his helmet came off. The streak and like it, it went along with his hitting streak to start the season because every time he would get a hit, it would come flying off. A couple times it came off. After a big swing. Sorry, I digress. Back to what you were saying? (laughs) No, it's just, I
2: don't don't think his helmet ever made it to first base in (laughs) the last two years. (laughs) But he got that new helmet, and he's hot. So, there we go. Keep
1: it.
0: There
2: we
1: go. I am all about those kind of streaks. So, I feel even more confident now that Fox is going to have a huge, huge CE tournament. (laughs) Mostly because of the helmet. I'm going to steal that negative information. Amazing. And I, I might go as far as to say that if JMU does happen to go all the way or very deep and a JMU player wins, you know, most outstanding player in the tournament, it'll be Wow. First. And if he doesn't win, it'll be his helmet. <laughs> Dark Horse <laughs> candidate. So Duke's tailgate, keep that in mind if you're a betting man. At Duke's
0: tailgate, put it down. Fox Simone's most outstanding player CA tournament.
1: There you go. Good stuff. I think that's most of the baseball talk. I don't know if we have too much else unless we wanted to have like a two minute discussion on the new basketball court. I don't know if anybody was. I think Jack, I think you're all fired up. Me, me? Yeah. I thought you were fired yeah, up. I, mean, I just want Duke else. dog
0: heads. Jeez. That, give,
1: that's. Give that's me ugliness or give me death. <laughs> I
0: want the ugliest basketball court in the history of, of mankind. That's
1: not a fan of that. I think what they should have done is they should have done like a Tony Bennett and Kyle guy and just had their faces like on both ends of the court, <laughs> you know, cause everyone's, everyone's getting upset about the UVA thing, which, which isn't too bad. I know it upsets some people, um, but it sort of depends on, on your opinion there, but it, it is nice that they got a, a large donation and also nice that they have a new arena. People are getting real focused on the court, but I'm most excited for the lighting in there to not be like this weird, Dim yellow that makes me like nauseous when yeah, I walk Yeah, not in. the
0: old UREC. So I think or the planned old UREC.
1: Yeah, Convo makes me like almost ill every time I enter. So I'm feeling pretty good about the new. What is it now? Like Atlantic Bank Cent Union, something like that. it's like Atlantic Union Bank Center. I think they got rid of the trust because Union Bank and Trust rebranded. So. I don't know if there are any nicknames. Nick, do you have any potential nicknames for the new arena? Or will we be calling it the Bank or the Vault? I've heard that.
2: <laughs> the, the Vault. vault. <laughs> I mean, we have to win. Uh, before... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I can go three hours on jamming Men's Basketball, but um, oh, so, I... so could we. <laughs> We've done it all season. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know, but. It's always gonna be the convo for me. That's Yeah. I don't know. I just Ballard. hope there's I just hope there's good basketball in there. That's that's all I want.
1: That's definitely the most important. I think if you're walking in and watching, you know, like a twelve and twenty team, I don't think anyone's good anybody's gonna be like, We're going to the bank. Like I don't think anyone's gonna be too interested in anything if they're losing most of their games. But maybe next year, which I think I've said since I got to JMU and have watched Jamie men's basketball, maybe next year. I'll keep saying it. Last
0: time I said that, I got burned and they were terrible. So, you yeah, well, you said they were going to win
1: the CA tournament. That was hey, a pretty bold preseason I prediction. I stand
0: by that preseason prediction, but I'm not going to repeat it for <laughs> next year.
1: And then that's
0: the year they'll it, probably do it. If, uh, so we'll save that for another podcast another time.
1: <laughs> yes, in like a year. In, uh, yeah. Six, Six months, months, eight in months.
0: The, the basketball the preseason. Did we miss anything? No. Thank you, Outline. Um, yes. Go check out all the beautiful things that have been posted to JMU Sports and follow us at JMU Sports on Twitter. Anything else? I feel like we we've exhausted softball and baseball with CA tournament that starts tomorrow. Softball plays Friday night.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. But a huge thank you, Nick, for joining us. We both lack, or at least me specifically, lacks baseball knowledge (laughs) for JMU this year. I haven't had a chance to watch a ton of it. So awesome to have you writing for us, and awesome to have you on the podcast to share your thoughts. Yeah,
2: I've I've enjoyed it. I know things got a little crazy here at the end of the year, and I had so many good ideas for for pieces that I wanted to write. But I, I think I do want to say I have another person that I think deserves a lot of credit. In all seriousness, on yes. this team, Kyle Hayes, the catcher. I just want to shout his name out there. Put it out there for for however many people listen to this. Kyle Hayes, <laughs> put the name down
1: fantastic i love it get given Roadcap the shout out and it exactly. has got two catcher shout outs in one podcast and that is why you are our special guest today <laughs> that is go. that's a record
0: all right well yeah, nothing else for bennett Conlon, our amazing guest nick stevens i'm jack fitzpatrick You all have a wonderful, what is it, wonderful rest of your Wednesday or whenever you're listening to this. See ya!